Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel has puzzled and fascinated Christians throughout the centuries, and it made preaching on it very difficult. It's the story of the Canaanite woman who asked Jesus to cure her daughter. Now, it's a simple request, and we see this throughout all the Gospels. Often we see Jesus caring for people, even at random, and in some cases in great multitudes. But this woman is different. The story is different. At first, Jesus refuses her request. Now, notice how it begins. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity upon me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. And so this is very odd. Typically, Jesus always grants people's request when it comes to healing. Remember blind Bartimaeus? He cries out, Son of David, have pity upon me, and Jesus cures him. Or the story of the feeding of the 5,000 just a few weeks ago. Before that miracle, Jesus cured all that were presented to him. And so Jesus has come to heal and to save. And he demonstrates this repeatedly throughout the Gospels. But now there is something different here. Jesus doesn't respond to this woman. Worse yet, his disciples, they chime in and they say to Jesus, Send her away. For she keeps calling out after us. And Jesus says in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So once again, this is very odd. You know, here is this woman who has a daughter that is suffering from an illness. And so then it begs the question, why doesn't Jesus just help her? He's helped all other people. You know, he's helped so many people, but why put her off? Now, granted, she isn't a Jew. That's why he may have said, you know, I have come only for the lost sheep of Israel. Now, next in the story, it says this woman, she was persistent. It says the the woman came and did Jesus homage, saying, Lord, help me. But Jesus said in reply, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. So what does that mean to do him homage? Well, it's to give him reverence and respect, which means she's probably kneeling right before Jesus. Now, notice in doing so, she's blocking his way. Now, when you stop and think, this is an incredible scene. Here you have this woman calling out to Jesus. He and his apostles are trying to put her off. But because of her persistence, she now kneels before Jesus and blocks his way prevents him from going forward. So now he has to essentially address her. And then she says to Jesus again a second time, Lord, help me. 
Again, in all of the Gospels, Jesus immediately responds to people that ask for things, especially for healing. And he responds to this woman in such an incredible way. Well, it seems out of character for Jesus, you know, to treat her in such a bad way. First, he ignores her, this poor woman, and then he gives her the cold shoulder. And then the apostles tell Jesus, get rid of her. Now, I find that incredibly insulting for this woman. Then Jesus makes that comment, you know, I was only here for the lost sheep of Israel. Well, it seems like he's essentially directly insulting her. Then Jesus makes that terrible comment, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. Well, now it appears that Jesus is directly insulting this woman. But you have to look at this woman's great response. She says, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Jesus responds by saying, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. And so this seems like such a strange and odd story. Jesus seems, again, to be so out of character the way he treats this woman and even insults her. Now, one pretty pathetic interpretation, which I've heard many times, is that Jesus was essentially tired and it was a long day for him. And so that's why he responded to this woman in in such hard terms. Well, I don't buy that at all. Jesus, I think what he's really doing here, he's testing her faith. Now, at first, when we hear that, it doesn't sound good. In fact, those are sharp words, something that we don't like to hear. But instead, maybe Jesus truly is testing her faith. Now, stay with that theme of the Lord testing us. If you move through sacred scripture, you see all of this on display. Give you some examples. Go to Exodus. Here we have Abraham, the father of our faith. He is tested. It seems like in a very harsh way. The Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham responds, Yes, Lord, here I am. God then says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. Now, Abraham is incredulous. He basically says, My only son? The son who promised, you promised to me, who was going to be the heir of many nations. Now you want me to sacrifice him and give him back to you? And we all know the story. Abraham and Isaac, for days, they make their way. They actually march towards Mark Moriah, where the sacrifice is to take place. There comes that climactic moment in which Abraham, he ties Isaac's hands and feet, he lays him down on the altar, he lifts off the knife, ready to sacrifice Isaac. It's a gut-wrenching scene. And then he's stopped by the angel of God, who says, I see now the quality of your faith. Well, it's a way in which God was testing Abraham's faith. Look at Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. He spends the whole night wrestling with God, testing him. And it awakens something in him. Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, he spends seven years in Egyptian prison. 
essentially accused of a crime he never committed. Why? Well, his faith was being tested. See, God does indeed test those who are close to him. Why? Because it's the old saying, things by opposition grow. I'll give you a great example of this and something that is applicable for all of us. You go to the gym and we see people lifting weights or we do it ourselves for exercise. Well, we lift weights to do what? To grow stronger. Our muscles may grow and also our bones may benefit from that. Well, we press against these weights, don't we? Well, when we start lifting weights for the first time, we start light, right? And we keep lifting. And what happens? Our muscles essentially grow. But we have to continue to add weight. If we don't, the muscles won't grow. So what must we do? Continue to add more and more weight. Make it a trial for our muscles. And see, in that resistance, and more and more of that resistance, and pressing against those weights, our muscles do grow. And when given that test or the trial, essentially we grow and develop our bodies to be stronger. Give you another great example. Take a young child. They're gifted at some sport, whether it's baseball, football, or whatever it is. They're very talented and they got a lot of great skills. Now, if you want those skills to develop and grow, you put that child up against tougher competition, maybe even older kids. And essentially what happens? That player, he is tried, and in doing so, his skills are developed and honed. And in doing so, it becomes a more gifted athlete. Or you say another child is gifted with a talent of maybe music. Well, you start teaching them simple songs or melodies, and you find out that the child quickly learns them. Well, after six months, if that child is still playing those simple melodies, they haven't progressed. Instead, they, their skills need to be tested. You know, if a good teacher is with that child, they will make sure that they recognize progressively harder music. Maybe at 12 years old, they're playing, you know, Beethoven's simpler works. And at 17, they're playing Bach's more difficult pieces. And so it's a great example Testing brings out our talents that we never thought we had. Precisely those gifts went by trial and by being tested stand out and become even more stronger. Look at the Benedictines, for example. The rule of St. Benedict was one in which when a young man came to the monastery to seek to join the Benedictines, they didn't make his life easy. In fact, the novitiate for the Benedictines is very hard. Now, why should this relate to us and God? Why does God test us? Well, it's for the primary reason that things by opposition grow. Essentially, if we are tested in our faith, then our faith becomes stronger because of that test. Now, go back to that gospel. I think it explains it for us. Jesus is doing exactly what he always does. He finds a person of faith in this woman. That's why she comes to Jesus. She knows who he is, and she has faith in him. And she believes only Jesus can cure her daughter. And so, 
He tests her. Now, if her faith was weak, she would walk away, maybe frustrated. But in that struggle between Jesus and her, her faith grows stronger. And in doing so, Jesus, he tells her in front of the apostles, her faith is strong. Now remember, just a few weeks ago, Jesus was walking on the water. He gets into the boat and he rebukes and criticizes Peter and the apostles for their lack of faith. Well, now he's showing the apostles what faith looks like in this woman. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's not trying to insult the woman. No, not at all. He's trying to teach the apostles and us what faith looks like. And through opposition, our faith grows stronger and stronger. And in doing so, Jesus tells us, just like that woman, great is your faith. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.